Welcome back. Bill Michael's show on the air. We're glad you're with us on this Friday, on this happening Friday. A lot of good stuff today so far. A lot of really good stuff today so far. Certainly appreciate you hanging out with us. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Quick Trip. Quick Trip, they have so much going on right now. Quick Trip's got all kinds of different promotions happening there. By the way, the Quick Trip 250 looking good up at uh, Road America for the NASCAR Cup. As they come roaring into Road America, so I'm excited about that. But Quick Trip also, right now, they got all kinds of promotions going on. They still have all the great uh, things to go tailgating with. But then again, let's just say you want to win a 2022 Chevy Camaro SS with Quick Trip. The 250 Pepsi Pit Stop going on right now, presented by Jack Links. Go in and buy some of those products. Use that Quick Rewards card. You're good to go. You get extra entries. Oh, yeah, the Quick Trip Pepsi Pit Stop presented by Jack Links. Your chance to win a brand-new 2022 Chevy Camaro SS. And God knows I love Quick Trip. I stopped in on my way to Road America yesterday to and from Quick Trip. Got some iced tea. I got a protein pack, so I ate healthy. It was, I hated it, but I, although it really tastes good. But I hate that I can't go in and just gnarl down on those burgers and pizzas and all that other stuff. But I wanted to remain a little healthy yesterday. So I did it. Great stuff from our friends over there at Quick Trip. Uh, let's bring him in now. Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast joining us on the hotline. Andy, how you doing? Hey, Bill, doing great. Thanks so much for having me. So let's get your reaction to what you saw on the draft night and the subsequent nights and how the Green Bay Packers, as we get ready for the rookie minicamp to get underway, how the Green Bay Packers did. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting draft, and I mean that going into the draft, not necessarily what Brian Gutekunst and company did, but I thought a lot of the value in this draft is sort of in the mid to late first round to early to mid second round. I didn't really love a lot of the top prospects, and I know a lot of Packer fans were going into that first round of the draft thinking, all right, Brian Gutekunst has got to get a wide receiver, got to get a wide receiver, maybe even two wide receivers, but the more and more I looked at that wide receiver class, A, I sort of expected them to go early on, and then B, I just didn't think there was that you know, Julio Jones, Kelvin Johnson, high-end player that you're trading a bunch of draft capital to go up and get specifically based on the talent of the players, but more importantly, for what Green Bay really looks at at the position. I'm not saying any of those receivers, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, et cetera, can't be really good, uh, but a lot of those guys aren't blocking receivers. A lot of them are under 200 pounds, which is usually a threshold for Green Bay with what they want at the position. We know how much uh, Matt LaFleur, again, wants the ability to block on the outside, but some versatility as well. They don't need another slot guy. They've already got Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, Alan Lazard plays about 40% of his snaps there. So I figured they'd want an outside wide receiver. And the more and more I looked at the, the players that would potentially be available when Green Bay was picking and what they generally like, it always seemed like Christian Watson, George Pickens, Alec Pierce might be their guys in the second round. And of course it ended up being that way with Christian Watson. And I know they gave up a lot to go up and get him, uh, but he to me is, is one of the most, uh, upside wide receivers in this draft. To me, if all the wide receivers reach their peak, their ceiling, their upside, whatever you want to value it as, to me, he's as good, if not better, than any wide receiver in this draft. I'm not saying it's super likely that he maybe gets to that ceiling, but I love his upside, and I think he can, no matter what, bring something to the table for Green Bay even this year. And then I love the fact that they continue to attack this defense and really try to make this one of the top defensive units in football. Their 11 starters now are either basically priority free agents that they signed or re-signed or first-round picks, or in Kenny Clark's case, both. So I really like the talent that they've really amassed on the defensive side of the football. The uh, Christian Watson pick, does the occasional uh, lack of concentration and drops concern you? Yeah, I mean, it does a little bit. I think that's something that he can hopefully improve with over time. It's not like he was, 
you know, his usage at North Dakota State was so interesting, right? It's not like he was on the field for 50, 60 snaps per game and consistently running routes and playing wide receiver. I think a little bit, a, a little bit of his drops and issues have the fact to do with, you know, he was just sort of seeing the ball infrequently at times. A lot of times he was being used as a decoy, as a blocker. I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with his skill set or his potential as a wide receiver, just the way that North Dakota State plays football. So I think as he starts getting used a little bit more, I think as he starts, you know, becoming a professional at the position, you're hoping that some of that stuff goes away. I don't think it's any cause for major concern. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if he can become the playmaker that they think he can become, a couple drops here or there aren't going to taint his overall value as a wide receiver for Green Bay. So the wide receiving core, uh, talk about the other draft choices, uh, Torre and, uh, and Dubs. Yeah, so I think both of them are going to be flyers at the position. You know, not too dissimilar. I know it was in different rounds, but what they did with guys like MBS, Equinemius St. Brown, Jamon Moore, I think both of them have upside. I think both of them have special teams ability. I think both of them have the ability to win deep. So, you know, both of those guys are probably going to have to make their names on special teams first. I look at Torre specifically, and basically his first battle, his competition to me is with Malik Taylor. I think both of them have the opportunity to be really good gunners, and I think Torrey has more upside as a wide receiver. Obviously, Taylor has more years in the system and has been with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers for a few years now. So to me, that's probably that last battle at wide receiver is probably between Malik Taylor and, and Torrey and to see which one of those guys can kind of come up with that. As far as Dobbs, I think if he can start making his name as a punt returner, I think his very first touch in college was a, a punt return for a touchdown. So, you know, he has the ability as a returner uh, to make plays. If he can show the, as, the ability to do that, then it's just starting to make your name as a wide receiver. I think he's more skilled as a route runner than he got credit for. I think he's a little bit more savvy off the line. He still needs to improve his releases, still needs to improve his route tree, uh, but he showed the ability time after time to be able to get open deep as well. So he's just going to have to sort of find his niche in this offense. And I think that's where Green Bay's at at wide receiver right now. You're not going to have, you're not going out there with Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams and Craig Jennings and all these guys. Uh, you're going out with guys who have specific skill sets, and it's going to be up to Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to figure out what skill sets work in best situations and sort of platoon these wide receivers rather than having a couple alpha guys that can go out and just win on every route for you. The uh, the Sammy Watkins deal, I mean, obviously he had some veteran depth. I, I still think, and I, somewhere along the back of my mind, I got to think that they're going to get Jair Alexander extended. They're going to save some money this year. And I got to think that after the June 1st cuts, there might be somebody out there that's enticing or maybe a Jarvis Landry that they may go after or maybe even OBJ if he proves that he can play, maybe come middle of the season. There's going to be an addition somewhere, don't you think? Yeah, I, to me, I'm right now I'm leaning more towards like you know something midseason. We've seen Odell Beckham for the Rams last year. We saw Emmanuel Sanders a couple of years before that. Wide receivers have started uh, to get traded uh, along the trade deadline a little bit more, where teams are looking to add a weapon. You know, Will Fuller was in conversation there for a while. So yeah, it, it wouldn't be shocking to me if Green Bay added another wide receiver. I would be fairly surprised if all of a sudden like they announced tomorrow that they got a Julio Jones or a Jarvis Landry. I just think some of the the contract stuff there is going to be a little bit difficult to fit in. Uh, but I don't, I don't think for a second that if a, a wide receiver presents itself, especially midseason trade deadline release, et cetera, at some point this season, if Green Bay wouldn't be aggressive to try to add a playmaker, you know, whenever that may be, um, I just don't necessarily know that that's going to be right off the bat. Uh, I agree with you defensively speaking for what they did with uh, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker. They seem extremely deep. Uh, I, I, wanted, I mentioned the Jair signing. At what point do we expect, do you think, 
Jair resigns or they get a deal done. I mean, I know Ward in Cleveland really kind of threw a, you know, a couple of different deals, kind of threw a monkey wrench in this because of the amount of money that's being doled out. What point do you think Jair Alexander then becomes re-signed by the Green Bay Packers or extended by the Packers? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I would assume that sort of both sides have, you know, momentum to try to get this done for Green Bay, as you mentioned, you know, being able to lower his cap hit, you know, they're going to have to do something in order to just have enough money, you know, during the season to be able to put together a practice squad and sign guys when people get hurt and things like that. So they're going to have to clear up some cap space and Jair Alexander still seems like the most, you know, low hanging fruit to get that done. I can't imagine that Green Bay's too concerned about giving him a contract that makes him one of the top, if not the top corner in the NFL he's shown that talent I know he was injured last year but uh, he's as talented as any cover corner in the entirety of the NFL they you know spent a premium draft pick on him they've developed him so I'm sure they want to keep him around and I'm sure Jair Alexander you know isn't going to be too upset if Green Bay wants to make him one of the top paid corners in the NFL either so this just seems like it would be a matter of time however uh, we sort of thought you know thought the same thing with Devontae Adams just not too long ago as well so uh, there's not a, a river that doesn't have a bend in it somewhere along the way but it just seems like this would be something that would get done prior to the start of the season so that Green Bay has the money that they need this upcoming year and they can make him a, a long-term extension that makes him a Packer for a long time to come. The tight end position is interesting. Robert Tanyan coming back from the knee injury. Mercedes Lewis, the old Wiley vet that we all know can get the job done. He can be a, a chain mover. There's still Josiah DeGuaro, which is he's kind of that Swiss Army knife. And then there's Dominic Daphne. I know people want to get see them upgrade that position. But I, th- I think at least when they're healthy, I think they're OK at that uh, that tight end position. Do you agree? Yeah, we totally agree. And another name is Tyler Davis, too, that Brian Gutekunst mentioned. And and Tyler Davis is a player, as I was watching tape last year, that stood out to me for his receiving ability. I think he's going to be a core guy in their special teams. That, to me, when I watched him, I really felt like they found something talent-wise. Now, whether that means like a, a Robert Tunyon breakout like two years ago, like Tunyon had, or just like a sort of a nice, you know, 25 catch, you know, 300 yard, two, you know, two touchdown, you know, type, uh, you know, tight end, we'll, we'll have to sort of wait and see. But I, I think they're going to like this tight end core a lot more than maybe fans will look at it as. I think DeGuara was starting to come in, you know, really come on at the end of last year, which is sort of what you expected coming off the ACL. It was probably going to take him the first half of last year just to sort of reacclimate himself. And I did think he took a little bit of a jump towards the end of last year. Again, Tyler Davis is showing some promise. Mercedes is going to be that blocking tight end. And at some point, you're going to get Tunyon back in season as well. So I think that group is a little bit more well-rounded than maybe people are giving credit for. How important do you think it is with Rodgers saying, you know what, yeah, I'm going to come in, I'll work with some of these young guys, as opposed to what we originally thought was, yeah, I'm not going to be there till training camp. Yeah, to me, it's more of an optics thing. And I, I mean, I think anytime Aaron Rodgers is around, I think the Packers are going to be happy. I think his teammates are going to be happy. I think it's just a good thing to do from a leadership standpoint. But, you know, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, you know, let's look at this from a couple different standpoints, right? From from Rodgers' standpoint, he didn't do anything the last two seasons and won the MVP back-to-back. So he doesn't need to be there for himself. I think as you start looking at these other receivers, right, like Lazard, Malik Taylor, Randall Cobb, those guys don't necessarily need to get on the same page as Aaron Rodgers. And all those other receivers who are coming in and rookie minicamps, OTAs, like they're just learning the playbook at that standpoint. Like, the, you know, yes, it's nice if Aaron Rodgers is there and can walk them through some things, but their, their heads are going to be spinning enough just learning what Matt LaFleur wants them to accomplish. I always go back to what MBS said 
uh, in an interview where basically there's two offenses to learn. There's Matt LaFleur's offense and there's Aaron Rodgers' offense, and specifically with the checks and everything at the line of scrimmage. You know, those guys can dedicate getting their mind right uh, at mini camps and OTAs and, uh, you know, and rookie mini camps to just getting the playbook as much under their belt as possible. Once training camp comes, they're going to be, their head's going to be swimming even more with Aaron Rodgers there. So uh, even if it ended up being a natural progression that way, um, I think it would have been fine. But the fact that Rodgers is going to be there, I think shows a little bit more dedication to the team. And again, I think just the optics are better for it. How deep are they now in special teams with this draft and the fact that they brought in uh, Basaccia, the fact that they've got numerous kickers that are in, they seemingly, at least at this point, with their punter situation, they seemingly got a guy that can not only punt but can hold. How much do you think this has all been kind of shored up, we'll say? Yeah, I think uh, I think anyone would be remiss to put too much trust in the special teams until we actually see a, a difference on the field. But I do think there has been, you know, sort of real evidence that Green Bay wants to go in a different direction with their special teams and make it a priority. As you mentioned, bringing in Pat O'Donnell, I would still like to see them bring in competition for Stephen Wordle as long snapper. Uh, but not only bringing in a special teams coach, but bringing in two new assistants as well. I think Tariq Carpenter in the seventh round was a literal, literal specific special teams pick. It may not be a punter, long snapper, or kicker, but I think he's going to be coming uh, to be sort of that special teams ace. I think even Quay Walker is somebody who played 500-plus snaps on special teams, and that might be somebody that with Devondre Campbell being the primary guy at linebacker, that they feel like, you know what, we can play Walker on special teams and not have to have too much threat of injury and losing him if he were to have an injury on special teams. I think Randy Ramsey coming back was one of their core special teams guys. So I think they've really built out this this unit to be better on special teams. But like I said, until we see the, the proof on the field, I'm still going to be a little bit skeptical. Talking with Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast at Andy Herman NFL is where you can find him. Is this team, you know, I, I, every day we get inundated with who's going to win a Super Bowl. Is this team a Super Bowl caliber team right now with the uncertainty via offensive weaponry? I think it is. I think the one biggest question that they're going to have to answer is how do they perform uh, if they're down in games, right? Like, you know, if you don't have those playmaking wide receivers, I think it's one thing to go out and execute Matt LaFleur's offense. I don't really have much concern that with Aaron Jones and Dylan and their receivers and the tight ends that they have with Aaron Rodgers as an MVP and Matt LaFleur's offensive coordinator. I don't really have concerns about them being able to put up points in general or run their offense when things are, you know, the way they're supposed to be. If you're even, if you're down by a field goal, if you're winning, but I think if all of a sudden you're down 10 points and it's fourth quarter and you have to throw your way back in the game, that's where I have question marks. If they have the weapons and the receivers that they need to kind of get themselves back in the game, or if you get into a shootout, if you get to the Super Bowl and you're playing a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, we saw those games last year in the AFT where, you know, you have to put up 30, 40 points. And I know Green Bay's defense is going to be better, that they're going to be able to hold those teams hopefully down a little bit more. But I think that's the one question that I have. But there's, there's no perfect formula. I think every year it ebbs and flows. And I think Green Bay's built themselves a defense. They've built themselves a better special teams. I think they're still going to be capable on offense. And I always go back to if I could have anything, you know, if I'm building a team, if you give me an MVP quarterback and a top five defense, even if I don't have the playmakers, I feel really good about my chances of being able to compete for a Super Bowl. Well, Green Bay has the back-to-back MVP quarterback and what I think has the potential to be a top five defense. To me, that's a formula for success. Now it's up to, you know, being actually playing their best football in January and February, which they have not done under Matt LaFleur the last three seasons.
That was going to be what I was going to ask you. I mean, you know, it's it's. I know there's been a lot written about convincing Aaron Rodgers you're going to win it with a defense, not necessarily with a top offense and all that kind of stuff. That was going to be my next question. Are they capable of winning? And you already kind of answered that and saying, yeah, you, you give me a top defense and, and a, a MVP quarterback and you're going to make things work. Who then becomes, if, if everything stays the same right now the way it is right here today on paper, who then becomes, do you think it's Sammy Watkins or Christian Watson or somebody else, or do they just spread the ball around and run the offense very much? You know, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have to get into that, you know, laboratory, if you will, and begin to come up with things with misdirections and play actions and movement and to scheme guys open. How much of this offense is going to then be incumbent upon the shoulders and the mind of those two? Yeah, so I think Matt LaFleur's offense in general wants it to be that. I think Aaron Rodgers wanted to spam Devontae Adams a little bit more, understandably, because if I were quarterback, I'd want to throw it to Devontae Adams probably on every single play as well. Uh, But I think in in Matt LaFleur's vision, I don't think it's that much different than the offensive line of just saying, you know what, we're going to get our best five guys on the field. I think it's the same thing at Playmaker. We're going to get our best five guys on the field, and they're going to have a job to do. This is not necessarily a, a offense that's predicated on having that alpha guy that's going to get, you know, 130 balls in a season or whatever it was with Devontae. This is an offense that wants to execute plays. And on that specific play, your, your wide receivers might need to block. Your tight end might be the, the guy that's getting the screen pass. Your running backs might need to pass protect. Like everyone in this offense has to do a little bit of everything. And I think if they can actually go out and execute that offense and the way that Matt LaFleur envisions it, again, assuming everything is on rhythm and you're within a, a ball game that you're not down by double digits, I feel very comfortable with what this offense is going to be able to accomplish. And I think it is going to be spreading it around. I don't think there's going to be a guy with 100 catches, maybe even 80 catches on this offense. But I think you're going to see everyone get a piece of the pie. And I think you're going to see it be almost like a misdirection for teams of not knowing exactly, all right, well, we can't just triple team one guy because we don't know where the ball is going on any given play. So I think it could be a little bit more diverse. And I'm frankly, I'm kind of excited to see how this LaFleur offense functions and that sort of system, assuming Rodgers buys into that. Awesome stuff as always, Andy. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the rookie mini camp, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Can't wait. Thanks so much, Bill. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go. Andy Herman, a pack a day podcast. You can find his stuff there or over on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. At Andy Herman NFL. He joins us uh, on the hotline and giving him uh, a lot of shouts out because they do some good work over there, without a doubt. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Social House. It is coming up. Thursday, we're less than two weeks away, Thursday, May 19th, Thursday, May 19th, put it on your calendar, we're going to be broadcasting live from the Social House over on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls, we're going to kick off not only their grand reopening, but it's a full weekend in which they're going to donate a lot of the donations, proceeds. They're going to have a uh, tap takeover by our friends at Bud Light and many of their beers. So please come out and join us if you're within the sound of my voice in that listening area in Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls, the Social House, H-A-U-S. They're going to have a whole takeover, and all the proceeds that weekend going to benefit Fisher House, Wisconsin. Cannot wait for the grand reopening, and more so can't wait. Hopefully, cross your fingers, good weather, and a lot of people turning out donating a lot of money to Fisher House, Wisconsin. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. We continue on. 
Good stuff from Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast. Breaking down the Green Bay Packers and that draft and giving us his thoughts. We've got uh, gotten a variety of thoughts. There's, uh, here's kind of the consensus of of what the Green Bay Packers are. You tell me if you agree. Okay, let, let, let's kind of do this here real quick because with everybody we've had on, um, the thoughts are Christian Watson has a lot of upside. Very talented receiver, a lot of upside. Okay, there are a couple of cautionary tales, but for the most part, a lot of upside. Okay, is he a short thing? No, but a lot of upside. Okay, the other two that were drafted, um, as he stated, and as many have stated, could be Mark Marquez Valdez Scantling, Equinemia St. Brown. They could contribute, but they're not probably going to be standouts. Okay, I think we can all agree upon that. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to do a lot of work in the sense of spreading the ball around. And there isn't, there may morph to be a favorite, but there isn't going to be a favorite. It's going to be a lot of the offense is really going to need to function with everybody being on the same page. And the fact that they picked up Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, uh, one or both of those guys, depending on what happens here come training camp, could end up seeing playing time. Yash Nyman as well. Because we just don't know uh, about what David Bakhtiari is going to be. Certainly, Elton Jenkins is not going to be there. You're going to need coherence and efficiency on the offensive line. We know they're going to utilize the running backs. Did they get better at the running back position? Kylan Hill coming back from a knee injury. How much better will he be, if at all? And will he still be one of your returners? Because he was pretty good in the return game, remember. Defensively, I think we can all agree they're very good. How good? We don't know yet. We know that some of the guys that you wanted the Green Bay Packers to retain, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, they're coming back. They've already got staunch efforts with Kenny Clark. T.J. Slayton, you hope that he takes that next progressive step in his second year. Jerron Reed was a pickup to solidify the trenches, right? Rashawn Gary has come on. We know Stokes is ready. We know Jair's going to be ready. There's question marks about Lowry possibly restructuring his deal and Jair getting a contract extension, thus freeing up additional salary cap for down-the-road expenses, such as another wide receiver or a player to be named later. We believe that just because Basachi is walking through the door, they're going to be better scheme-wise. And they changed a punter, which was part of the problem not only in punting with inconsistency at times, but the hold for Mason Crosby, even though we're not going to point the finger consistently at Mason Crosby, the hold for Mason Crosby was not good. Okay? There was some fault there that necessarily wasn't Crosby's, even though Crosby's statistics are the ones that reflect it. Well, so we believe they're better there. Okay? Will Amari Rogers take the next step? Will Randall Cobb be, uh, at least for the most part, for the most of a season, be able to play? Because most of the time he's been banged up. Will Alan Lazard be the shorthanded, crisp route runner and give you something extra? And does Sammy Watkins come in and find himself reignited by playing with, with Aaron Rodgers? All those things, all those questions right now are sitting on the table. However, I think the consensus is we all believe that this is a better football team today than they were prior to the draft. And we all think that... While it was tough to lose Devontae Adams, and it is, he's, he's an unbelievable talent. Most, I don't, I don't want to say I necessarily fall into this, this category, but most think now, 
No big deal. Now you just run the offense. Quit looking for Devontae. So now it's going to look really good. And I go back to the thought that, well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to throw to rookies. He's never thrown more than 38 passes. But then again, he never had to because he had the likes of other wide receivers, such as Greg Jennings, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. He's had all these guys to throw to other than just the rookies who were incoming. So we'll see what this morphs into. But I think the consensus is it's a pretty damn good football team, right? There we go. 877-867-1670. If you've got something to say, say it. Give it to us. Love to hear from you. Uh, Give us a shout. Uh, I want to remind you that today the announcement was made uh, just about an hour and a half ago that uh, registration is now up for the 15th annual Big Units Poker Run benefiting Fisher House, Wisconsin, the motorcycle ride leaving Milwaukee uh, Brewing, MKE Brewing on 9th Street, it's now open. It's now up and running. It's 25 bucks for a bike. Uh, if you've got a passenger, it's 15 So we've uh, eliminated the 25 per person. We've, we've actually reduced it. We're hoping to get more bikes than what we had. And also, instead of having one winner-take-all, now think about it. If we get three, 400 people that pre-reg, you got a, a, a 5 and 300 shot or a four and three hundred shot at winning one of the prize packages, a Bucks and Admirals ticket prize package, a Brewers ticket prize package, a Badger ticket prize package, or a racing prize package with NASCAR and Indy tickets for the twenty twenty three season. All of those are up for grabs, and they're only to the people who pre register. So, get your registration in, get them in now, and get them in and tell spread the word. Please spread the word to those who ride motorcycles because this year's our fifteenth anniversary. It's going to be bigger and better than ever. You can always find all the information, all the information. Simply go to Facebook.com slash Big Unit Poker Run. Facebook.com slash Big Unit Poker Run. Or find the uh, Fisher House Wisconsin page at FisherHouseWI.org. That is FisherHouseWI.org. Great stuff. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It seems like 5,000 miles, but it's not. It's a short drive. It's only a few hours from Milwaukee and uh, about two and a half, three from Madison and the surrounding areas. That is to the Four Seasons Island Resort. Now, the wine dinner that went on up there, huge success. Huge, huge. Now they're doing these dinner theater shows upstairs. And it's for a very small audience, but they're pretty cool. I went to one last year when uh, Kristen and I went up there. Saw kind of a musical act. And it was, it was a ton of fun. We had a blast. It is a really great weekend, and they are offering discounts on rooms. And there is, between you, me, and the fence post, there is always the Bill Michael special. you got to get a hold of Barb, though. Go to the4seasonswi.com. You can see everything they have to offer. But if you want to go up to the island, the golf course is opening. So maybe you get in nine holes on the executive. Maybe you want to go out on the ATV trails, which open up next week. Whatever it happens to be. Everything's opening up up there as the weather starts to turn. And I just talked to Todd, who's the general manager up there yesterday. And he's like, bring it. You know, they're opening up the ice cream parlor. They're opening up the upstairs bar. They're doing renovation, cleaning things up. 
And uh, if you want to go up, if it rains, stay indoors, sit at the pool. It's hot in there. It's great. You know, and if it's nice outside, go sit outside. Yeah, go outside, smoke a cigar, enjoy yourself, take an ATV ride, UTV ride, take your motorcycle up, whatever it happens to be. Get a hold of our girl Barb, though. That's the only way to get the Bill Michael special. And you heard it right here on the network. So go to Barb, B-A-R-B, at the four seasons, wicom Barb at the four seasons, wicom Or call her, 715-324-5800. Make sure you tell them that you're with us. 715-324-5800. It will not be a bad time, I promise you. It's fantastic. And we're putting together some other wine stuff up that way. I want to go up there for a weekend when... We can go over to see our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery in Peshtigo. Take the motorcycle, ride a little bit, enjoy the outdoors up there in that beautiful northern area of Wisconsin, only about 15 miles away from the UP. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By all means, go up there. Head on up. Barb, B-A-R-B at the Four Seasons, com. Good stuff. Um, so, Ben, you got the new numbers, right? The rookie roster's out. I have the Packers rookies' new numbers. Okay. Uh, names, position, and uh, and numbers. Let's go. So you want to react to whether you like the number or not? Because I'm a big fan of overreacting to jersey numbers. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go. Okay, here we go. All right, wait. I, I, I do have a little bit of uh, backdrop. So first, number 95, defensive lineman from Georgia, Devontae Wyatt. Mm-hmm. 95. Okay, I'll take it. That's a big, beefy defensive lineman. And it's going to stretch across the gut. So, you know, there you go. Okay, I get it. Wide receiver, Romeo Dubs, number 87. Hmm. I don't love it. Um, he's, he's one higher than Malik Taylor. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Malik Taylor 87? Yeah. Or 86, I mean. Yeah, 86. Uh, he's one higher than Malik Taylor. Yeah, you know what? Uh, wide receiver is usually in the 80s. But if you're 80, you're all over it, you know? Um, okay, 87, yeah, it's not great, but okay. He's more of an 11 to me. I don't know why. Um, I added Isn't some, Sammy Watkins 11, though? He may be. I, I, didn't I think really, Sammy Watkins is 11. Didn't look at the roster before I right. had that thought. I, I added some undrafted free agents. Number 83, wide receiver, Samori Torre. Okay. Wide receiver. All right. I get it. Nothing huge there. Nothing to make of that, I guess, is the best way to put it. Offensive tackle, Sean Ryan, number 75. Um, That's my old number from years gone by, back when I first started playing football in, in high school. Oh, you got to love it. 75 and then, and then uh, 79. Um, I like it. I would have liked to see a nine. I, I'm with you, but I like 75. Yeah. Rashid Walker, offensive tackle, number 63. Really? Um. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, are we trying to determine whether or not they're going to make the team by the numbers they're given? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> might be. Although, what is it? Uh, Michael Manet or Manette, whatever the guy's, he's 65. 65 is usually a pretty solid, you know, hey, you're going to be you're going to be around. Then again, Bakhtiari's 69, right? He is. Runyon made the 76. And Elton Jenkins, I Elton Jenkins is in the 70s. I can't remember what he is though. Okay. 
I'm with you so far. Okay, go ahead. I don't know why, but I don't like 63 at all for a left tackle. It's not like for a tackle on the offensive line, you're like in the 50s. Because 50s is usually a linebacker number. And I know they've expanded it. But 50s, in the 50s, 50, 50 through 59, usually a linebacker's number. Yeah. You know? Well, speaking of that, uh, linebacker, uh, Kingsley Enoch Barre, number 55. Okay. That's 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 linebacker material right there. Isn't that uh is it f- 50 was uh 50 was uh AJ Hawk. So it wasn't 55. Zadarius okay. Smith was 55 if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um Zach Tom, interior offensive lineman number 50. For an offensive lineman at 50, there there's your expanded numbers. There you go. So I'll tell you this, though. My assumption is, and I'll see if this prediction is sure to go wrong comes true. If, and we know he's going to make the team. Once cut down day happens, and some, because there may be some guys from the Lombardi era that <laughs> have had numbers retired. So you probably have, what, 10, 12 offensive linemen in camp right now or on the roster right now. When cut down day happens, I bet you he goes back to a 60 number. Hmm. Let's pay I, attention to that. I like 50. I like the uh, the zero as a second digit to centers. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. Ellis Brooks, linebacker, number 41. 41? That's a dangerous Wait a minute. Number. What is Ty, Ty, Ty Summers is for? No, he's 40. My God, 44. I think Ty Summers. Okay. 41? Ah, that's on the outside looking in. Next, Tyler Goodson, running back, number 39. I hate it. Yeah. Not a fan. Gimme give gimme give gimme give the teens or gimme a gimme a twenties number. Although uh, uh Aaron Jones is thirty three. Yeah, but, but that nah, looks good. Yeah. Thirty nine's tough. Uh next okay. I guess his position is special teams, but Tariq Carpenter, number twenty four. But he's also linebacker. Yeah, I was gonna say he's considered a linebacker. Yep. I bet you that changes. Unless they're going to use him strictly as a return guy or something to that effect, which I can't imagine him doing. But, yeah, it's uh, 24. Hmm. And he's more inside than he is outside, right? Yep. Although they can use him everywhere. But an inside linebacker wearing 24, that's an oddity right there. Yeah. That doesn't happen a whole lot. Well, it gets better because we're going down in numbers. Wide receiver. Badger, Danny Davis, number 20. Oh, I like it. I like that. 20s, 80s. I like that. I don't know why, but the two and the zero are, are kind of weird to me. But Yeah. We'll see. I mean, if it was 10, it would be different. Right. But I like it. I'll take it. Yeah. Ten, I, I feel like all the wide receivers that are number 10 are just ballers. If he makes this team and starts balling out, how many Wisconsinites are going to be wearing Davis jerseys? Huh. I'd get They'll one. They'll be everywhere. They'll be everywhere. Uh, next, these are the last good ones. Christian Watson, wide receiver, number nine. I was just going to say, is he single digit? Yeah. yeah. I love it. Okay. All right. Like it? Uh, and the final one. It's got a one. sleekness to it. It's got yeah. a sleekness to it. I like it. The final one, linebacker, Quay Walker, number seven. 
for the left inside linebacking position. Number seven. I think that's a dangerous. That would be more of a wide re- yeah, that would be more of a wide receiver number, but yeah, I like it. That's a that's different. That's a playmaker number. That's what that is. I like it. All right. The complete overreaction for absolutely no positive reason <laughs> on the uh, de- deciphering of numbers for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, come on. It's Friday. To, I don't mind that. I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's a drink them up Friday. Drink. We're, we're talking about anything. On this, We're sitting around a bar today, for God's sakes. This is great. I love it. No problem with that at all. And and you know what's, what's the best? Is the music behind it. Mm. I was pretty fired up. Shout out YouTube. I was getting into it, man. I really was. Shout out. Hey, if uh, you're going to be out there grilling this weekend when the weather turns, maybe you're going to be looking uh, at your Derby Day party and grilling up some of those fantastic ribs on a stick, get a hold of our buddy uh, down there, Rob, Paul Roberts at Roberts Specialty Meats. They're fantastic people. They're just that good. Paul does catering, by the way. And if you're just looking to make your tailgate the absolute positive best, all you got to do is say, Paul, give me some of the ribs on a stick, maybe the uh, garlic parm chicken skewers, or... Or, God forbid, you get the Al Capone sausage. Holy smoke them if you got them. They got pre-made burgers down there with different fixins already in them. Stop in and see what they have to offer. He is indeed your hometown butcher. And uh, love, love hanging out. Uh, there's that smell when you walk in the door. You just And you walk, it impermeates your clothes. So you just smell like the butcher shop when you leave. But it's awesome. It's awesome. So stop in and see our buddy Paul Roberts on Sunset Avenue in Waukesha. Roberts Specialty Meets, Waukesha.com. That's Roberts Specialty Meets, Waukesha.com. Good stuff. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Glad to have you in the Bill Michael Show. Continuing on, if you're following on the Facebook fan page or over on the Bud Light live stream, you're looking live outside the, the window uh, at the patio out back in the uh, Tiki Bar, but you're looking live outside of my Pella windows and door window, right outside of the uh, studio here, which is where we are perched above. And uh, right now, the hometown team, that's none other than our friends at Pella windows and doors. And when I say hometown, Home, H-O-M-E, meaning your home. They're the home team, uh, with all, w- without a doubt. Uh, so why, in the grand scheme of things, when you start to add value to your home and you start to do what's right for your home and you're looking for energy efficiency, you're looking for smooth of operation, you're looking for warranty, all of that stuff, why settle for a, a window manufacturer or an installer that only gives you a couple of lines to choose from? Pella gives you six different lines to fit your budget, to fit your style, to fit your wants, to fit your needs, to give you financing, all of that stuff. Right now, on top of the financing to fit any budget, you can choose up to 2500 bucks off of an installed patio door or up to $3,000 off of an entry door system. Um, and just good people and, and so much financing to go along with it. Uh, I can tell you all the different, uh, you know, hyperbole, so to speak, when it comes to windows and doors. But the one thing that I noticed when I had them put in my home, they upped the value of my home. And my energy costs went down. And right now, with inflation going crazy and materials going nuts, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to do it. Start saving right here, right now. Don't put it off any longer. With the way materials and the rising costs are going up in our country, get a hold of them. Go to 855-PELLA-WI. That's 855-PELLA-WI. 
Again, 855-PELLA-WI or check them out at PellaWI.com. The consultation and for them to come to your home and check it all out and give you the estimate and everything, it's all free. So do it. I mean, there's no sense. If you need windows, don't think about it any longer, especially with, you know, the the uh, the summer storms are coming. I mean, you don't want water leaking in your house and ruining some of the interior and uh, letting it dry rot the wood and all that kind of stuff. Get that fixed now. Go to PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. Coming up after the top of the hour, we're going to get back at it. going to talk some college uh, hoops, college basketball, but more so college athletics. Uh, Mike DeCourcy of uh, the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. Mike's going to join us. And we heard from Greg Gard earlier uh, about, you know, his thoughts regarding the NIL and the transfer portal and such. And is all of this good for college athletics? Is this good for Wisconsin? And so now I want to get the helicopter view. I want to get it from a guy who's been covering college athletics pretty much all his career. And that is going to be Mike DeCourcy of uh, the Big Ten Network. And we're going to talk with him about all of this. So, um Anyway, long story short, we're going to we're going to kind of rediscuss this coming up after the top of the hour. So, hang in there. Hang in there. Uh today, you got the Brewers tonight, I should say, 6:20 first pitch in Atlanta, Eric Lauer on the hill against uh Jesse Chavez tonight. So, uh Brewers looking to uh, continue on with their success. Brewers have just been just smoking it. This homestand was for lack of a better term, just impressive. I don't know how else to put it. It was just impressive. And uh, the Brewers' part in it with what the way they were hitting the ball, the way they were hitting the ball with power, that, that too, unbelievably impressive. So I'm, I'm excited for what they continue to do. Um, but I, I, I look at this and I, I'm just, I can't wait to see what they do in this series. I know it's crazy, but I can't wait to see what they do in this series. I really can't. I'm uh, I'm pretty fired up. So they're taking on the Atlanta Braves coming up tonight. And uh, when this team heads into Atlanta this evening, game one of the nine-game, 10-day road trip. And remember, they have three in Cincinnati, and then they go to Miami. So they're kind of going to Atlanta, then north, then back south again before they come back home. They're coming off of that homestand where they were 5-1. Five 5-1. and one. Five and one. During the 5-1 and one homestand against the Cubs and the Reds, the Brewers hit as a team now 307 with 54 runs and 20 home runs. The team also batted, listen to this, 362 with runners in scoring position. Holy crap. They hit six home runs in yesterday's game and the 10-5 to win over Cincinnati. And it was the ninth time in franchise history that the team had at least six home runs in a game and the second time this season. Can you believe it? This team, for, for a team that started out slow with power, it's, it's like somebody plugged them back in. And right now, when you talk about the best records, they have the best record in the National League. The Yankees and the Angels have the uh, best record in baseball. The Yankees eighteen and seven, the uh, Angels sixteen and seven, and the uh, Brewers eighteen and eight. The top three records on all of Major League Baseball, but they have the best base uh, record in the National League. And over the last thirteen games, here's another thought: because Willie Adamas last week, the Offensive Player of the Week, over the last thirteen games, Willie Adamas batting three hundred, 
Over the last 13 games, seven home runs and 18 RBIs. Just uh, amazing. Amazing. The way things have just kind of turned around for them. So I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling it. Feeling pretty excited. Feeling pretty excited. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a hell of a series, I think. I think I think Atlanta's really scrapping right now. They're trying to hang on. The Brewers are trying to get past what happened down there last year in the postseason. It's got it's got little little juice to it, a little feel to it going into this. So I'm excited for this. Uh 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Justin says, Love the Friday shows. I changed career paths and had to go uh, self employed so I could listen to the uh, shows all day, every day. Best sports talk show around. Book it. Oh, he listens full time. He, he he changed career paths so he could listen to the show. That's dedication right there. I don't give a damn who you are. That's massive stuff. Um, Brett says, I know it's gimmicky. I get it. But the bell works because it creates fun. Baseball's a game and it's uh they get paid to win, but you gotta have some fun with a team concept. An HOF uh, coach told me he used to use a similar strategy. Think about all the teams that we've seen over the years. Go back to when uh, it was Miami and the U, and they used to get the big gold medallion when the uh, defenders made picks. And then go back to when Tennessee, uh, when the Titans were on their way to a Super Bowl. Remember, they had the lunchbox. And then they started the bang the drum campaign in Carolina years ago. Minnesota had a little bit, bit of success with the whole row the boat thing, you know. You got something that pulls it all together. And maybe it's the bell. I don't know. Maybe it's the bell. But maybe you're right. We're going to talk some college NIL and college transfer portal when we come back. Mike DeCourcy is going to be joining us. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels. Another hour yet to go. This one's flying by on a Friday. We'll be back right after this. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.